I control my destiny. I control the pain. Now you may have fame and fortune too. You may have it all. But watch out for that little guy because he may make you fall. You see, you got here the easy way. Daddy put you on your feet. He gave you clothes and everything, which my dad can't compete. So I've clawed and scraped my way to all that I've become. And if you think you can deal with me, you're just another bum. Welcome to the Reigning Freedom Money Podcast. You are in the right place if you want to hear how to live a better life by taking steps now to achieve your financial freedom. To find out more, go to reigningfreedommoney.com. Here are your hosts, David and Patty Royster. So, so we are so excited to have you be part of our podcast today, Corey. Um, yeah, such a mentor for us. I mean, it's, it's amazing where we started at. Uh, we were just one of your investors and we were vetting to see whether or not it made sense to invest through you. Uh, we started with uh, the Snades and uh, they gave us great information, but we wanted to go to the source. And so Patty pushed the issue and we ended up meeting with you and talking to you. And, and then we went to your boardroom and um, that was phenomenal. That really truly was phenomenal. So we appreciate that. And, and we met someone there that ended up getting us started. So we had another uh, accountability partner there, David uh, Rosenbaum. And uh, also our brother-in-law went also too. So we're all part of the Corey Peterson family right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. So why don't you give us some background for those people out there who don't know you, how you got started in real estate, multifamily, when you were a stock broker dude? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like I, you know, I can go way far back, but the, the moral of the story is I started off with how I think a lot of investors start out, which is... Uh, broke, no credit, and a big dream. Um, you know, I wanted to do real estate. Um, in fact, actually, really what, what really happened was um, about almost 19 years ago, my life changed forever. Is my wife took me, uh, actually my mom, is my mom uh, invited me and my girlfriend at the time, now my wife of 18 years, uh, to Hawaii. And she was married to this man named Bruce. And um, I call him Bruce Wayne, by the way. Okay, he's not Batman, but he was loaded. And so um, we got invited to go to Hawaii. Of course, I was like, mom, can you pay? Cause like, we can't even afford to make it to Hawaii. And so she did, she got us there. And it, it wasn't just that he had a house in Hawaii. It was right on the beach. And it was actually in Kauai, which is the Garden Island. It's the most beautiful island, I think, of all the islands uh, in Hawaii. And his house is right on the beach. And I remember Shelly and I waking up early uh, one morning, the first night they were there, uh, waking up that, that morning before the sun had went up. And we walked the beach and we watched the sun come up. And, dude, it was just magical. I cannot, the only way I can describe it is, like, it was an out-of-body experience. And I remember... Like, I felt like the shells of life had kind of just like fallen off and I could, it was like a rebirth in a way. And I remember looking at Bruce's house and I'm like, man, what does this guy do? Because he had fine art. He had nice cars. 
He had a home ride on the beach and he, his phone wasn't ringing. Like he had time and money. And so I just was just, I, I was interested. I was intrigued. And so I said, what do you do? And he said he was in real estate and that he owned apartment buildings. And um, now I wish the story got better, but it doesn't because Bruce was a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> my mom was real pretty. Maybe that was the trade-off. I don't know. That was my mom's hustle. She's no long, longer married to Bruce. But I did leave the island thinking that Bruce was the big kahuna. Like he had time and money. Like he was living a lifestyle that I was like, I'm all in. That's what I, I want to do that. And about six months after leaving Hawaii, I read that book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And when I read that book, I was like, oh my God, that's what Bruce was. Bruce is a real estate investor. He buys cash flowing apartments that provide rent. And it just immediately clicked. And so then I went on a journey um, in real estate. And I actually, uh, I started my company in 2005. And when I was thinking about naming it, I was like, you know, what do I want to name my company? And I thought about Bruce and I just, and I said, man, Bruce was the big kahuna. And so I was like, I want to start my company with the goal, the end in mind. And so I named it Kahuna Investments. And, uh, and now I own apartments all across the United States. Um, and, and truly, we're looking to buy a house in Hawaii. We may even buy Bruce's old house. Um, we're still up to date with that. But um, it's been a freaking awesome journey. And now you're the big kahuna, right? Something like that. that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least, you know, but, you know, Dave, I start off like everybody. I mean, I really was book read. Um, I read every book that I could in real estate. And I started as a wholesaler, meaning I didn't have, a, you know, a lot of money or a lot of contacts, but I knew how to go sniff out deals and find deals. So I'd go to my local RIA, Real Estate Investors Association, and I would, um, and this is a real big tip, by the way, if you're going to go to the RIAs, there's always someone that's hosting the event, like the guy that puts it on, go talk to them and say, Hey, can you point out a couple of the players that are in the room? And they'll, they always know who the people that are doing real deals are in their room. And then once they point them out, make it a point to go sit right next to them. And that's what I did. I sat right next to them and I was like, Oh, you know, you come here much? And he's like, yeah, I come here all the time, right? And then I'm like, oh, really? Well, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of homes do you buy? And I'm like a note taker here. I'm like, okay, so you like, you know, homes in the East Valley that are between eighty and ninety hundred thousand with about twenty thousand dollars of rehab. You like to make about thirty thousand dollars profit per deal. And I was like, so yeah, well, it's so funny. I find deals like this all the time. <laughs> You will now, right? <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> I went on a journey to go find deals and, uh, and they paid me a fee. And so that's how I really started off. I was wholesaling, finding deals for rich people and helping them out, adding value. I was making like two to $3,000 per deal. But then I started stacking them and I was finding, you know, three or four months. And I was like, man, I, I'm actually in real estate. I felt like I was doing pretty good. But here these guys were making those $30,000 rips. And I was like, I want to make 30,000 bucks. Forget the two to three grand. How do I get the real money? And it, you know, I was like, man, it takes money to do that. 
And so then something magical happened. Um, and this is really where I, I started to pivot is that um, I was like, man, if, I, if only I could raise some money, some private money, if someone would give me money. And so I just started asking people for help. And I was asking uh, a guy, an older gentleman that I play racquetball with, his name was Carl. I was like, hey, Carl, you know, you watch what I'm doing here. I'm wholesaling. I'm making a living now wholesaling, um, making two or $3,000. But and here's my deals. And then I work for these investors and they make $30,000 on the end. Like they're doing really well and, and I'm doing okay. I said, but I just want to flip it. And I said, I think I can give someone interest and give them a note deed of trust, pay them 12%, um, secure it with real estate and, uh, you know, pay that three or $4,000 in interest and make the $30,000 myself. I'm like, do you know anybody? Because now Carl lives in a retirement community. So I was like, Carl, maybe, you, you know, surely you know somebody. Now I wasn't asking Carl for him to give me money. I was just asking if he knew somebody in that retirement community. And so he was like, well, I'll see what I can do. I'll see what I can do. Well, the next day, guess who calls? It's Carl. And he's like, hey, Corey, do you still want to do that 12%? And I was in the back of my mind, I was like, man, Carl found somebody. Hell yeah. He goes, Corey, you don't know this, but my home is totally paid for. I can borrow money at 3%. And if you pay 12, I make a spread. How much money do you need? Well, that was a tough, I was like, okay, this is the moment. It's the moment, right? And I was like, Carl, I need $85,000. And there was a small silence. And then it was like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Where, where do you want me to send the money? And dude, just like that, my man, my jaw dropped, hit the floor. I was like, Oh my God. He, and cause I didn't even have the end. I was like, well, uh, uh, cause I didn't even think that far ahead yet. What step two would be if he said yes. Um, so we ended up, I, I found out where to go send the money. It was to the title company, but that was my first uh, opportunity that I, that I really raised private money when someone gave me their hard-earned money and uh what a, it was a really liberating process because at that point in time in my life you know i i, I grew up poor i didn't have a lot of money some of my my uh beliefs about myself would would someone give Corey money would uh would they trust me you know all those things that you you know the misconceptions and things you put and roadblocks you put in your head um it was instantly shattered the moment Carl gave me that money. And I started to believe in myself more and more. And really, I always say, like, I went to the phone booth as like Clark Kent. And then I spun around that thing and I come out like with a big S, like, you know, I raise private money. <laughs> and, and Carl and, uh, was happy too, right? Yeah, Carl got a great return. And, uh, you know, so everybody was winning. And so once I learned that, other people's money was the key. Here's really the real pivot. So I started doing lots of fix and flips. Um, but then in like 2010 and 11, it was getting, by 2011, it was getting a lot harder to find REOs and short sales, which is what I was doing back when the crash happened, right? So by 2011, I had actually started to raise about three to $4 million of private money. Um, but I was running like a banshee, uh, you know, choo, 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 choo. I was not living Bruce's life. Trust me. Right. I was a mad, crazy man doing all the work and just never, you know, on, on that uh, hamster wheel. 
but the new problem was forced. And I was like, well, I got to find a way to put this money to work. And so, um, you know, the short story is I, I stumbled onto apartments. I was driving by an apartment complex um, and I've driven by it a, a lot of times. And I used to say, I wish I could own an apartment complex. Um, but for some reason that day that I drove past it in a, in a, in a, in a state, um, I asked myself, how can I own an apartment complex? And once I shaped the question right, I was like, oh my God, like, well, okay, well, Corey, what do you know about apartments? I'm like, well, not a lot. Where can you go find information about apartments? I'm like, Barnes and Nobles. So <laughs> now we just go to our iPhones, right? But, or but Corey, back Corey then, Peterson, yeah. Yeah. So I went to uh, Barnes and Nobles. I bought books, everything I could about a, a multifamily investing. Um, and I found a mentor. And, um, you know, in 2011, I bought my first apartment complex um, for 3.2 million bucks. And I raised $1.4 million of private money. And so that was the start of my journey in 2011 is really when I started buying apartments. Um, and we held that one for like five years and we sold it for 8.8 .8 million bucks. So that's nice. So we made like $4.7 million net profit on my first big apartment deal. And let me tell you, that was when like things started to change. And now we own, uh, we own quite a few of them. We own, we have six active projects. Uh, representing around $95 million worth of um, um, assets and uh, and the cash flow. And um, life's been really, really good. So hopefully that inspires people out there that you can start from nothing. Um, but I will say this, the one skill set that I truly mastered that I think, and, and you guys know this because you guys just did your first pretty big apartment deal, is that the ability to raise capital is is really the biggest piece that separates, um, if I look back at people that started in real estate the same time that I did, the reason my net worth has a lot more zeros behind it is because I learned to master one skill set that most people didn't, which is private money. Learning how to attract other people's capital, and then you can use that to put it to work to um, make them money, and then ultimately allow you to do what you want to do, which is buying these bigger deals. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, that I'm sorry, that's a lot to say. I didn't mean to take up that much space there, but Oh, no, I just want no, to no. tell that story. No, and like given the current state of affairs with the stock market, I mean, now it's got to be super easy to raise money, right? Except yeah. no one has money. <laughs> yeah, well, and but they still want to recover, right? And so yeah. it's the same thing. It's really the same thing that happened. So Patty, you said, you know, I didn't touch on this, but I, I before I went full-time in real estate in 2009, so I went, it was part-time, from 2005 until 2009. What was I doing in the middle of that? I was a financial advisor with Edward Jones. And so I, I learned about money, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and all that stuff um, from one of the greatest companies, I, I believe, that is out there in the securities industry, which is Edward Jones. Edward Jones teaches you how to go door to door, door knocking. It's what I did for like two or three years. In the Arizona heat. Yeah, to build my book of business. <laughs> and, um, and they taught me how to network and they taught me how to follow up and how to be consistent and how to hang out where money hangs out. And all the things that I use as what I do now comes very naturally, except I'm not selling you know, stocks, bonds, or mutual funds. I'm selling a, a really nice product called multifamily investing. And it gives our, your passive investors, um, I think, what they can get in the stock market which is way more control. Right? I agree. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. With a lot of benefits, they don't have to pay the fees. Yeah, and consistency, yeah. and and you they, you can see and touch the asset, and yeah, they're investing in me as the operator. So you know, a lot of people have done a lot of background check on me as an operator, and then I understand my systems and procedures. But they own a real asset because I know when the market um, went to crap in '09, um, people would come into my port, you know, office, and their portfolio is now half. And what's what do I say to that? It's the market, right? <laughs> well, you know, maybe we should move some money, and then I charge you another fee or commission. And how's that right? Right. Right. And so I think what I've, what I've made my living doing is helping people that are in the stock market um, find other avenues and an alternative to the stock market. And I believe that's what we do as syndicators is provide a little bridge to help people that are tired of uh, the roller coaster and try to get something you know, more steady and more, more just even killed. Because the majority of people, even in right now COVID, majority of the people are still paying their rent. So, so Corey, you recently put something out since we're one of your investors that showed how well are your tenants paying their rent during COVID? Yeah, they're doing, I mean, so this month we're going to see what happens, but I still think it's going to be a lot of what we saw last month. But like we had a property, uh, one property that we had on the third of the month, I believe 98% of all rents was collected. That's just phenomenal. So, That's crazy. Yeah. So um, now that one was is, is in a great location, but we have another property in New Orleans, but it's still 92%. And 92% is pretty darn good given what we are going through right now. And oh, yeah, I attest that to A, we've done a really good job with uh, background checks and credit checks. The higher uh, credit scoring tenants you have, the better you will fend. And, and then also, we do this wonderful thing called ACH. And so people don't actually give us rent checks. They just don't. Um, they, we set them up on a portal <coughs> and get their ACH information. So then we actually draft their account for their rent. And, um, and it happens automatically. And that's a big reason why I think we're being super successful right now is because A, that's just how it's set up. It's a lot more painful to try to stop that stuff. I mean, think about right now, if you were to self-think and say, how many things am I paying for right now that I probably should cancel, <laughs> right? That happen every month and I just, it just goes out there and does what it does, right? Well, that's how we have our tenants programmed on rent. It's just something that happens and they plan for it. It doesn't mean that we're not working with people because we absolutely are, but like, but it just helps, you know, when someone has a decision to make of, you know, am I going to pay my rent and stuff like that? Um, that ACH helps just makes it for them that they know it's coming out. It's just, it's the, one of their first things that they're going to have to pay. And most people accept that. I think they're fine. Yeah. That's one thing you, you taught us, Corey, is that the first year you focus on, on what? Yeah. Getting them, getting, uh, you know, the property fixed up, getting all this, you know, the broken stuff fixed. And then year two is to, you know, we call it upgrade our broken tenants, uh, but really is to get everybody in on that ACH program. Yeah. 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 And we're dealing with that right now on our property. It's uh, that second part, trying to get them on ACH and trying to get 
you know, we're near the end of the month and we still have rent that's not collected right now that we're pushing hard to get in. Yeah. So, you know what, one of the things that we've done, and this has been a real game changer in our, in our offices is that we took the, uh, a lot of times they have, uh, your property managers will want check scanners in the, you know, in, at the office. And so what happens is once your tenants know that they can give you a check and that they can actually scan it right there in the office, well, then that becomes the go-to. We've taken those machines out of the offices. And so there's only two ways you can pay your, your rents, or actually three. One is you mail the office to your management company, you mail the check to the management company. And that's a pain in the butt for people to do because we do not take checks at the property, not in any way, shape or form. Any form of payment needs to go to the management company or, or you can um, set up a portal. And really, and then, and then with the payment portal, you can either, if you don't have a bank account, then you can still pay at like a, a payment processing center. Like a, uh, they have those little kiosks at C, CVSs and things like that where you can pay. Um, but typically that's, that's how we do it. And we have a huge, um, I would say 98%, maybe a little bit better of our properties are on that program and, that, and that's their um, adoption rate. <clears throat> and that makes a huge difference. <laughs> so where do you see multifamily, future multifamily going through this year, maybe in the next year and all this COVID-19 and everything? Yeah. Love to hear your take. <laughs> Man, listen, I am patiently waiting to see what's going to happen. I'm not trying to buy right now. Um, I'm at, well, I say that not for apartments. I'm actually looking at buying an office building. Um, only because I want to, I'm going to put myself in an office building, but uh, I think I'm going to get it. This guy's in the middle of development and I think he sees the writing on the wall too. And I think he's going to sell it at a fair price just to get out of it. Right. Just to not have the risk. And I'm willing to assume that risk, but for, for student housing and, and for apartments, um, well, let me back up for student housing. It's still out on the air. I'm still waiting to make sure that schools are saying they're going back to school. Now, the word that we've got from all the universities that we're talking to where our uh, 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 properties are located is that they're absolutely planning on fall semester coming back, right? Um, and because it would devastate most colleges to not have enrollment, right? Like that, that's a big deal. That's a, a big thing. And so I think that that's, I think they're going to open up. So, but we're still, they've not officially said hey, it's schools open. Um, but there's a lot of good news. You know, we're starting to reopen the states and that's, I think, good news. Um, on anything else, I, I truly believe in about three months, they're going to have some opportunities because there's going to be some lag time. I don't think it's going to be a V type of recovery. I think it is going to be a little bit of a U because there's so many people are that unemployment is the big thing. And a lot of people are making more money in unemployment than they are when they were, you know, not. And so if that's the case, would you check the box and act like you went and looked for work and use it for like six to eight months? Yeah, for sure. Probably, probably so. Um, but I, what, I, what I do believe is cap rates are going to change a little bit. I, I just think there's going to be some opportunity coming. I, I don't know how big the opportunity is, but I'm still waiting for about another month, month and a half, get through the spot. And really I'm waiting for banks to open up. Um, 
lending right now is really restrictive and really hard. So I'm going to wait for my credit um, because all that stuff to kind of relax and ease and let it, let some normalcy come into the, the marketplace. And once I understand that I can get my CMBS loans, uh, my bridge to perms loans and, and really move forward, then I'm going to actually really start going on a, trying to buy as many properties as possible. Awesome. So, but awesome. overall, overall Patty, like, nothing's going to change. Like <laughs> it's a season of, uh, of fear and in, in you know, in, in stuff like that. But my, in my, my holistic portfolio approach, nothing's going to change. We're going to keep holding our properties five years from now. We'll take a look at, you know, you know, we usually hold them for five years and you know, every property we have is in a different season of, you know, along that journey. But you know, we sell when it makes a lot of sense and we don't, if we don't sell, we just keep cash flowing. Fine yeah. with me. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what markets are you looking at? Uh, the Midwest and the South. So I know that's like a, not, not, it's not like markets, but, <laughs> <laughs> but that's really, we look, uh, you know, Oklahoma now, um, out uh, third treasury markets of Texas. Um, I mean, we're in new Orleans, we're in Iowa, we're in Indiana. Um, I'm in Georgia. I was in South Carolina, so I've got a really mixed portfolio. Um, but we would like to start sprinkling a couple more properties in each city that we're in. So like um, Evansville, Indiana, I really like a lot. Um, I really like, um, I actually like New Orleans still, uh, even though it's been hurt. Um, it's been a good property for us. Uh, I like, um, and I like Tulsa and Oklahoma City. And that's because of cash flow. Is that why you like these markets? Yeah, typically those types of properties, you know, everybody buys for different reasons. Um, some, you know, I've heard like Neil Bawa, you know, he likes the big markets and, and um, I just like the middle of the road stuff. I just like stuff that I can buy. I can cash flow. It works for my, my objectives, which is hold them for five years, raise capital, hold them for five years. And that fifth year, look at the asset, just decide if you want to keep it or sell it. If you want to keep it, you refi, you cash out all your investors, and then you, you hold the property yourself. And that's really my strategy. Same thing. And then if we do sell, the only reason I'd sell is if I could sell it at like a four cap or something that where someone paid me a lot of money, right? because then I would sell it and then go buy it at a normal seven or eight cap or whatever it is and, and make a delta there too. So, uh, but our typical strategy is to hold them for five years and then really uh, refi, and you know exit the capital we have a buyout provision in our ppms and that allows us to pay off our investors get them uh, whole and then we still get to keep the asset and i think that's huge and yeah. you know that that sets sets you up to win and really win big how many of your investors continue to invest with you um i would say we have about 80 percent uh, maybe 85 percent uh reuptake on a new deal that's awesome um, Sometimes more. I mean, it all depends. Most the only time people usually leave is just because they have something that's coming up or they're getting in a place. You know, some of my older clients are like, "Hey, we're getting kind of old, and we kind of think we need more cash in the bank, right?" Uh -huh. But I mean, because what we do, and and you guys know this is, I think as a good operator, what a lot of people investors are looking for is steady income, and if you can show them a 6% payer that pays quarterly payments. Um, that's a really nice income stream for people that are retired. 
And so that's what we really, um, you know, try to focus on. And like, listen, we've not been uh, not scathed in this whole COVID thing. We've had to, well, you guys are in one of my deals. Um, we had to send out, yeah, we had to send out a letter saying, hey, uh, we're going to make a 3%, I, I, some of our deals, we made uh, just a 3% distribution instead of our normal six. Uh, just because we wanted to make sure we had some, you know, cash in the bank that we're in a, that we're protecting the asset as we kind of go through this. Now we'll release the money once we kind of know that we're, we're above it, but still um, that's kind of the things you got to do is just trying to be a smart operator. But most investors want consistency and good communication. And they're, cause they don't get any of that in the stock market. Right. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. that, I think that, that means the world to people right now. Probably so, feels really good this time around. You don't have to have those hard conversations with your clients about. Oh, yes. <laughs> and here's the thing too. Out of all the investors that I had during this whole thing where we had to say we were making either not making a payment or making a partial payment, I've only had two people and they're old, you know, older and elderly and they're like, listen, we really depend on that money, right? <laughs> and so I probably made an exception for those two people. Like, I'll get you your paycheck, right? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, because, you know, I'm not trying to upset their lifestyle at all. And, and you know, who wants to have that type of, uh, you know, if they're really, really counting on that income, um, I'm going to make sure I take care of them. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like that's, that's why I love this business is because I have so much more control and communication with investors. And I think that's everything because investors want peace of mind. They really do. Yes. Yes. That probably feels so, so much better. Yeah. I mean, I got a couple of texts from a couple of my investors that uh, I have this one lady, I'm going to do a podcast with her. I'm going to have her on uh, shortly. Uh, but she knew me back when I was a financial advisor. That's how I met her. I actually door knocked on her sister's house <laughs> and her sister didn't invest with me, but she gave her sister the referral and, uh, and I am getting her money a little bit of her money. Uh, well, so we started a bank or a Edward Jones account. Well, then she's transferred and over the years she keeps giving me a little bit more of her money, a little bit more money to where I have most of her money. And when this whole thing went down, she texted me and said, thank God I don't have to worry about this <laughs> because my money's with you and I'm still getting my checks and I understand what's going on. And I'm just so thankful. Wow. That was, that was cool. That probably was, an awesome moment, an awesome text to receive. Yeah. Yeah, man, it makes you feel good because at the end of the day, I mean, my job is just to make my investors money. If I make the money, then I get to make money myself, and which is a win-win for everybody. Um, but I'm really beholden to them. I mean, that's what makes this thing work is having investors give you capital. You know, uh, Corey, when we first invested in your, your deal, we were talking to the Snades and says, okay, we're, we're active. We, we know what we're doing. So we want to be a piece of the, the big pie. And, um, and of course it didn't make sense. And it was our, our uh, 401k money that we used on that. But uh, it's not easy being uh, the manager of the, you know, being an active investor or being, running a, a multifamily. It's not like money's the whole trick of it there's a lot more involved in it there's a lot more moving parts right you guys are finding this out right now um and it really is work it really is to be an operator is what i call being an operator 
Okay. Um, so you've got properties, people have given you money, you've bought a property. Buying the property is just the first start point, yes. right? Operating the property, making sure you're profitable, watching the P&L, managing your management company, watching them and still watching them manage, making sure they're managed properly, making sure that profit's coming in the door, um, make sure we have a follow-up system, all the things that it takes to really be not good, but great. Um, money is made in operations and the yeah. better your operations, the cleaner um, your P&L and more profitable your P&L will be. And, uh, and here I am, I just changed, I just upset my apple cart. We've been using a management company for a while now and they've done a pretty good job on the collection side. Um, but on the expense side, they've started to fit. We started to see cracks. And so eventually I just had to make like, I had to pull the plug and be like, listen, I'm going to, I'm moving to a different management company. And my reasons were because even though they were really great on the income side and the people side of hiring the right people, um, on the expense side and their, uh, cash flow management and op uh, CapEx management of expense expenses, um, they just weren't doing a, what I would call, uh, you know, that next level greatness part. They were just, they were actually average or a little bit below average and, um, it just wasn't acceptable. So we'd give them enough time to try to fix it. And so those are, those things still happen no matter whether you're seasoned or not seasoned, you're, you'll have issues down the road. And, and so it is a lot of work, David, you're right. Um, you know, you got to keep constantly watch your eye, you know, keep your eye on the ball, make adjustments, um, and tweaks to the process. But at the end of the day, that's what we do. And it's, it's not, it's not so, it's not so demanding that I still can't go and get it in my Jeep and go four wheeling. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you shared a story a uh, long time back where you had this Tulsa deal. Uh, not Tulsa. I'm sorry. Uh, Tucson deal. And what I got out of that one is uh, you had issues with the management company. And what did you do? Oh, then I decided to self-manage. And I was like, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do it all myself. And that was the biggest mistake I'd ever made. Um, probably the most learning experience I ever had, though, truly. So I look at that, even though my investors had to pay the price for me learning that lesson, I think I'm a way better investor now because of it, because I had to go through it, um, is that, you know, the goal is to hire the right management company that has systems, processes, and procedures. Um, and most of us are not equipped to do all that, right? Yeah. You're better off being the owner and then delegating, which is what I found that I'm best at and just find, and, and spending more time on finding the right, selecting the right management company is way better than trying to do it all yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what do you think about student housing? Do you still want to buy some more student housing? Kind of what's your take on that? You know, with student housing, it's been really good to us. We've, we've, I think we're going to really weather extremely well going through this if we open up in fall. Because right now, most of my um, parents, because we have all our kids are co-signed by their parents. And all the parents have 720, you know, like high credit scores. And so, and, and they're on a lease. And so... They're not breaking their leases, they're actually just paying, right? And a lot of them, their kids are gonna go back to school in the fall. So it's been a saving grace. Now, right now, when my portfolio, we have, we have uh, six properties and we have 
uh, three student housing deals, right? That represents 50% of my portfolio. So we're actually looking for just a regular apartment complex right now. Um, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't, but if the right student housing deal came my way, we wouldn't say no, awesome. right? Yeah. So, but when we buy student housing, um, we're not buying in like major, major school. We're, it's usually smaller um, schools, smaller, you know, division two type of schools, but proximity to college is the one thing that we absolutely have to have. So in almost all my properties, we are directly across the street from the college. And so as you know, if there was going to be any um, curtain, you know, containment or, you know, uh, things where it gets tighter and tighter, anybody that's on the existing outlying areas are going to go first. The ones that are the closest proximity to the college, they'll, they'll tend to stay open and full. Yeah. Awesome. So that's a, that's a big deal for us. I don't even no, know. No, they're gone. They're gone. No, so we're actually taking this time right now to get everything prepped for fall. Like we've got a way big landing pad where we usually it's a sprint. So we have our maintenance guys just staying busy, getting everything ready for um, spring or for well, fall awesome. semester. That's really good. Yeah. I, I remember in Utah, we've had a number of emails coming out where people are, are saying, hey, we shouldn't have to pay the rent because we're not there right now. And so that's been a real big controversy with respect to student housing. They said, our, you know, we're kids and we're cheap, poor and Whatever yeah. else, so. Well, uh, that's why we had parents. So that's why we, as a company, have parents co-sign. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. your parents so are probably hard. not, you know, they're probably okay. Working and still, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and they're going to make the payment, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to get started in multifamily and they didn't have any money, what would you tell them to do? Um, well, I mean, I would tell them <laughs> the first they got to find a mentor, right? Yeah. I mean, or some, some, you know, we have courses. I'm not trying to use this as an opportunity to promote, but I'm just saying, uh, well, I'll give your, your people, uh, can I give them a gift? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> if you'll text RPM, RPM to 480-500-1127, um, I'll give you, just... yeah, I'll give you my course for free. So it's, it's, it's typically a 0500-1127. Yep. Okay. Just RPM. text RPM and then just follow okay. the prompts. It'll give you, that'll give you my raising private money course for free. Um, it's typically $500 or 497 or it's either 497 or 597 what we charge for that course. Um, but it really has all the steps built in. I mean, it's pretty step by step by step by step um, to, to do that. Oh, we but, took that. We took that, and that was phenomenal. Yeah. 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 It but really it is. Worth every bit of it. It's a great course, man. It's probably my best selling course for sure. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And because it, it's really the piece that most people really need. That's really not taught very well either. And we're actually getting ready to even update it. Uh, it's not updated yet, but it will be. And anybody that gets access when we do update it, they're going to get the the new content. So we're going to work on um, how to create podcasts, um, and then also how to uh, get an online step-by-step um, uh, -step process on how to build a website to uh, have an accreditation process to have 506B uh, investors. Wow. That's Thank awesome. you. Does that make that sense? Right? Yeah. yeah. It, is a, it is a really, really a great course. It's really robust. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. So 
What do you think made the difference in your mindset? Because you didn't just jump in one day. <laughs> you know, um, I've always had a drive. I don't know why. I think some people just initially have a drive. Um, and that was me. I, from the, from when I was a young kid, um, I actually wrote a poem. Can I, can I share a poem? Yeah, oh, that's crazy. Yeah, do it. Okay. So let me set this one up. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was 18 years old when I wrote this. Okay. I'm 46 now. I was 18 years old when I, when I wrote this poem and I was working at the Stardust Hotel and Casino as a cabana boy. I was a pool boy. Right. Uh, and I was 18 and I was just thinking, well, you know, like, and it was a slow afternoon and, you know, I was, I, I'd like to, to write poetry and stuff like that a little bit. And I was just dreaming of what my life, like, what's the future look like for me? And, and so I wrote this poem and I've committed it to memory. And uh, so it's a really neat kind of concept of, I think you'll, you'll get to understand who I am. So are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Blinded by the deepest dark and lost in all my ways. Where will I go tonight? Better yet, where will I stay? I know I can and for sure I must. Fulfill my dream. It's all or bust. The light, it seems so dim and extremely small. I want to get there, but afraid I'll fall. Keep trying, they say. You know you can. I must succeed and fulfill my plan. Though at times I feel like crying, let down by all the rain. I control my destiny. I control the pain. Uh, hold on. Now, you may have fame and fortune, too. You may have it all. But watch out for that little guy, because he may make you fall. You see, you got here the easy way. Daddy put you on your feet. He gave you clothes and everything, which my dad can't compete. So I've clawed and scraped my way to all that I've become. And if you think you can deal with me, you're just another bum. They say that wealth is a rich man's obsession and a poor man's dream. But love is what it's all about. It's rare and hardly seen. Because you may make all the wealth and that may seem so true, but does that make you happy? Is that really you? If wealth is what this world's about, then we must all be blind. Because it's like my mother said, good men are hard to find. <laughs> wow, that wow. is incredible. That is awesome. Wow. That is so awesome. I equate that poem to like, you know, um, even at 18 years old, I knew that I wanted to be successful. I knew that it was going to take work. I knew that there was going to be pain, failure along the way. But I was just saying, but, but I want to get there. But, you know, yeah, I, I don't come from a lot, but that's what's going to give me the edge down the road is because I had to really, you know, claw and scrape my way and, and be successful and find ways around obstacles and, and, and blocks. And, and you know, there's a lot of knows out there a lot of gatekeepers and um they want to you know uh, you know poop on your your dreams and you've just got to rise above it and you got to find a way that says no matter what i will never quit and i will keep pursuing and i'll get better and i'll get uh, you know uh, the journey it gets you know it, it really it's it is that type of attitude that positive attitude and then truly along the way you got to start telling yourself and i do this a lot is to tell myself that I'm a real estate investor. I'm a, I'm a real estate magnet. You know, money comes to me. I start giving myself positive affirmations. I tell myself that I'm where I'm supposed to be, where I'm at, and what I want, and how I'm going to achieve it. And I, 
I just meditate on that and I, and I believe it and I've proclaimed it. Um, just like I've proclaimed owning a house in Hawaii, it's going to happen. And, um, you know, and yeah, I know it will too. It will. Yeah. And that is where I think magic happens. It's really actually in between your two little ears, that little thing we call our brain. It's a supercomputer. And what you feed it and what you, the data that you input in it, it will expand exponentially, but you've got to believe in yourself. I love it. I love that. Yeah, I love, I love that. it. And I love that piece of also kind of your poem kind of alluded to, okay, so if you have all this money and success, if you don't have love and people in your life, it does, it's not going to matter. I that's exactly it. That was the end. So that, that's really where I came up with is like, so because I was here, it's funny, I think about how profound me to write in that little poem was because I was like, that was, I was way more mature than I actually understood at the time. Because as I was going through my mind, mentally saying, okay, so you did all this stuff, and then you became wealthy, then what? And I remember kind of asking myself, but what does it all mean to have that? Like, does, is that the fulfillment? Or it has to be more than that. And that's when I went back to where my heart was at was like, it's really about the journey. The journey is the reward, right? Uh, loving people, having your, you know, helping others. It's way more rewarding. And that's why I came back to, to that last piece, Patty, was to remind me to stay humble. You know, it's okay to, to pursue wealth and in business, that's what we're supposed to do. Businesses are supposed to make profit. Um, but it's what you do with that profit and how you treat it that really means everything uh, to you as a person. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I heard of one, you know, successful investor and he was gone out talking and networking with people and he had a wife and four kids and he came home one day and she said, I'm done. And they walked out the door. He was no wife, no kids. And yeah, sure. You have all the money in the world, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. So we all got to keep that perspective. So I talk about lifestyle all the time, right? Put your, your lifestyle first, your kids, your family, your wife. It's the first thing that goes in your calendar. Then your business has to come in and fill in the cracks, right? That's the only way to do it. And, and I've no, how do I know this? Cause I've done it the wrong way too. Okay. <laughs> Yep. And, yeah. and, it, and it almost cost me those things, right? Um, you know, when your kid is crying because you told me you were going to be at the game and then you don't show up to it, um, and then he, you get there late and he comes out the field crying and says, Dad, you promised. I mean, that's a pain that I hope no one ever goes through because I did. And I realized right there that I was putting the wrong things first. I bet you so, so many parents do that. They, Oh yeah. That's, uh, I think they're doing it for the kids. They're not doing it for yeah. the kids. They're doing it for themselves. Right. Um, but you've got to learn that you've got to put boundaries and, and you've got to learn uh, one word with two letters. No. N O. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's the hard thing to master. And it only gets worse when you start making real money. Right. It really does. Cause people start saying, can I, can I, can I, can I, can I, and sometimes, even though you can, sometimes you got to say no. Ready for the thunderstorm so we can make it rain?
Okay, so what is your favorite uh, real estate book or business book? Yeah, uh, the, uh, um, oh gosh, hold on, hold on. <laughs> the Richest Man in Babylon. Richest Man in Babylon. That's a good book. Um, a tenth of mine is every, a tenth of everything I make is mine to keep. Um, I love that book because it really teaches you some really good principles about money that you should be adhering to yourself. Yeah. That's and really for good. me, I, I didn't grow up that way. I had to learn uh, how to manage money, manage my own money. Yeah. You know, one of my favorites is uh, Copy Your Way to Success, your book. Although I may not say oh. it quite right. But because I know you. And so by reading that book, it's like, well, I could just, you're, you're so, such a personal book, but with such great principles in there too. So that's an awesome book too. So. Uh, man, thank you. Thank you, man. Like, listen, I remember writing that one and I was, uh, I was crying on the plane when I was going through some of my pain moments. Uh, it was hard, you know, it was like, uh, it was a tough one to write because I didn't really make it personal to really talk about the struggle because I think a lot of people don't, they, they always talk about the nice stuff so much. They forget to talk about the pain um, and the adversity that really led them to have success. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So I know the answer to this question, but what do you like to do for fun? Man, I like to go to Hawaii a lot. <laughs> I like to travel. Honestly, traveling is right now one of the biggest things that uh, my family and I love to do. And I like to do it with my family or friends. Um, and then probably the second to that is I really like to, Right now, I'm, I just bought a Jeep, and I've been taking my Jeep all across uh, Arizona, soon to come to Utah and go to Moab and some things like oh, that. There so, you go. Oh, fun. And, then, and then if there's one other thing to add to that, I think it would be uh, play racquetball. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like play racquetball. Like racquetball. Yeah, that's awesome. Let me see. So what are the two things that made a difference in your life, in your success? Um. This is where I get cheesy, but honestly, um, my wife, my, my wife's belief in me is unparalleled to anything that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, if I didn't have that woman sitting next to me, when I would make mistakes and get, you know, into the fire pan, um, she would pull me out. She had mend my wounds with her songs of praise and words of wisdom and get me all, you know, mentally ready. And then she'd kick me back out the door and say, you're my man, go get him, Tiger. And with, yeah. with that kind of love and respect, um, there's nothing that I would not do. And there's those, when those moments that I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to quit, she was always there by my side saying, you know, that you can, you can do it. That's so, awesome. I don't know if I have two, it's maybe two in one. There you go. <laughs> if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be, I'd be nothing, honestly. Uh, having, a mentor or someone to believe in you in this business and in this life to me can be more powerful than, than a lot of things out there. And she believed in me and I never wanted to let her down. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. And that's not the first time I heard that. So I know you truly believe it. You guys are a great couple. Um, so what advice would you give to our listeners on how to gain financial freedom? Man is to, Educate yourself. I mean, real estate, if you're not listening to this podcast, you're already on the right journey. But if I could give you, like, just pour into you, is that just don't quit. I mean, it, some people, it's a longer journey. Some people, they, they, you know, it's a real short, like they get success right out the gate. Um, I was never that guy. I, I had to journey. I had to struggle because 
it just seems like that's the way I'm built. I've, I'm, I'm programmed to make every mistake ever. And then I finally get it like through my head, like, you know, but, <clears throat> but the truth is if, if you're in, you know, find good education um, that's actionable um, and truly try to find a mentor or, you know, listen, there's so many good podcasts out there. Like your guys is like this podcast right now, listening to someone that's been there, done that doing it now is way powerful instead of, instead of reading a book that was maybe published four years ago that now is outdated strategy that doesn't work. Yes, so right. getting closer to sources of what's working now is truly valuable and important. And then, um, and then putting it in practice. And that's the biggest difference is stop being a, you know, learner and being an earner, right? You gotta, you gotta take just like you guys. I'm so proud of you guys, by the way, <laughs> you guys showed up. You not only invested and started that process. You took some risk with me. You came to my education, you learned what you needed to do. And then you said, I'm going to put it in practice. And lo and behold, you guys own apartments. And like, that's exactly the process is you just got to get good information and then act on it. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much. <laughs> and we want to thank you for uh, holding our hands, you know, as we walk through the process for the first time, you know. As yeah, you know that was my favorite part. That was really I remember some of those, you know, hey, I'm just checking on you guys. How you guys doing? You're like, oh, Corey. <laughs> yeah, our heads are pretty sweaty. Yeah. It's definitely true. We have learned so much through the process, and you just kind of held our hand and said, yeah, you got this. You got this. You could do it. <laughs> yeah. So, Corey, how do people get a hold of you? You know, the best way to, to learn about us is just two places. One, you can go to our podcast called Multifamily Legacy Podcast, um, and we teach it from A to Z on apartments. Uh, and I think we make it real, which is, we don't tell you all the fluff. We tell you a lot of the pain and the journey and things to avoid. Um, and then really Kahuna Wealth Builders um, is my website for, for our coaching platform. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank awesome. you so much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. You're awesome. Oh, man. Thank <laughs> you guys. Oh, uh, last thing. Can I plug my audio book maybe? Oh, sure. yeah. Go for it. So right now, uh, we just I just got it done. I recorded it. And um, I actually did the voice work on it. So I went to record it here and it was tough because when I'm talking about the pain parts, I'm telling you this book should make you laugh, cry, and hopefully inspire you to be the best you ever. Copy your way to success on audiobooks, anywhere you can buy an audiobook, whether it's iTunes or audio.com or whatever it's called. Um, you can get that book, but it's, I think it's a great listen. Hopefully you enjoy it. Well, thank you. Oh, that's awesome. We're looking it forward to a, it. Did you cry on it? I, I, I broke down my voice, <laughs> uh, wavered there for a couple <laughs> spots, right? As yeah. I'm talking about my son and him crying and sobbing in my shoulders. It was, it was a very, and I'm reading the words, and I was very descriptive in those words of the pain. And it just was right there. Uh, you, can, you can feel it as you're listening to it. And I think that's... Uh, it's powerful. It'll move you. That's awesome. Okay. Thanks so much. Thank Corey. you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, Corey. <laughs> you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks for being our guest. Without rain, nothing grows. Weather the storm. You can't sail if you never leave the harbor. Challenges are just big waves to help you get to your destination. Remind yourself the rainbow will come. And most importantly, don't forget... 
Life isn't about waiting for storms to pass. It's about learning to dance in the rain. If you're ready to learn more about creating legacy wealth through multifamily investing, go now to reigningfreedommoney.com. Ready for the thunderstorm so we can make it rain.